You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, the number one source for hunting and fishing information, strategy and tactics, as well as conversations surrounding conservation efforts and other outdoor activities in the great state of Iowa. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast starts right now. Three, two, one. All right. Once again on the podcast today, Mr. Tom Peplinski. How you doing, man? Real good. How you been, Dan? I can't complain. I tell you what, I'm glad that cold spell is somewhat over. We had we it warmed up a little bit there after that big cold spell, and it now looks like it's going to start cooling down just a little bit, but uh, not near as cold as the uh, the last uh, the last I guess cold front that came through. Yeah, and I, most of the snow was gone. Yeah, which which isn't bad because I think certain parts of the state really needed that uh, that uh, precipitation. Yeah, down I know down in southern Iowa we sure didn't need any more precipitation or rain, but we're still getting it. So yeah, how because this summer was a uh, this summer was a dry summer down there, wasn't it? Well, it was it was borderline drought. I mean, it was pretty bad, and then when it just started to rain. I would say mid-August, it just didn't quit. It yeah. just kept raining all fall. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Uh, so you guys feel like you recovered from that uh, that drought then? You got the moisture you needed? Well, definitely on the surface, there's too much. Um, I don't. I guess I don't really know what the subsurface moisture levels are when you get down in there, but I know right. farmers are going to have a hard time this spring getting in unless it gets uh, you know an early spring and some sun and stuff, but it's yeah. it's wet. Still well, wet down here. The old groundhog said that we're going to have an early spring, so uh, we we just might get it. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, what's up? How did uh, how did you end your season? Well, I think the last time we talked, I was telling you I had probably the best season I've ever had as far as being on deer right. and seeing big bucks and stuff like that. And I held off shooting a lot of bucks that normally. I would have shot because my daughter had a late muzzleloader season. That's right. A tag. And uh, she had a really good hunt. She missed the buck that I would have been doing cartwheels for her to get a shot at. It was yeah. a really, really big 10-pointer, and she just clean missed it one night, and that was probably more my fault than anything. And then uh, a few nights later, she got a really nice uh, mature 9-point buck. So I was really happy for her because that was her first her first opportunity at a Nice. You could mount a little bit nicer buck. So that was a really fun hunt. And then she went home and back to school. So yeah, that yeah. was definitely a definitely good way to end the season. That's awesome. Well, at least she, uh, at least she, uh, I guess, uh, put the hammer down on one and got one. And uh, I know as a, as a father, you were probably pretty jacked about that. Well, I was, it was, I was probably more excited than she even knows. <laughs> and when, when she missed that first buck, uh, she wanted to be done. She wanted to quit 
she didn't want to go anymore. And I think we've probably all been there. Yeah. But I, I kind of coached her through that, that level of, uh, you know, getting on yourself and stuff. And it's, it really, I'm not just saying this cause it's my daughter, but I, I think I, I pressured her into taking a shot a little bit sooner because, because she just doesn't have the experience in a blind with a gun. And, and, you know, when I'm, when I'm pressuring her that, you know, there's your shot and there's those that already started to have us busted and stuff for me, that shot was probably easier because I've been in the situation before, but I think I hurried her along a little too fast. But once I, once I basically convinced her that everything's okay, you're a good shot. It's, it's, it's fine. And she got back at it. We still had a couple, two, three days and, the last night before she had to go back to school, uh, that buck came out and she got it. So it's actually a buck we saw earlier in the hunt and she couldn't get a shot at it because it was too far away. So it, it all worked out really good. And my son was in the blind with us and it was just, just fun. This, those late season hunts on them blinds when you can put two or three people in a blind and kind of like a family, you know, get together. Those hunts I'll cherish forever. You Absolutely. just don't forget those kind of hunts. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to those days where, whether it's a turkey blind or, you know, hell, if, even if it's just fishing with my kids, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the time when I can get out there and like enjoy it. And when I mean enjoy it, I mean, enjoy it from a standpoint where I'm not worried about them falling in the lake or, or, you know, like running all over poison ivy or, you know, like their, their listening skills have improved, I guess you, I guess you'd say. <laughs> it, yeah, it gets better. It gets better once you the, the teens and then, you know, my daughter's 19 now and stuff. So it's, it's fun. It really is fun when they, when they're, you know, adults or later teens and you can really start enjoying the outdoors and not, not that you can't when they're younger, but when they can start doing some stuff on their own and they understand things a little better, it really starts to get enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. At least that's been my experience. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Now here's the transition, right? The transition into today's topic. And that is one thing that I feel I'll be able to do with my kids here. Once it warms up a little bit is get them out on some walks and maybe start doing some shed hunting with them because myself, I am a shed hunting nut. Like I, I love it just as much. I feel confident saying this. I love it just as much as actually hunting. Wow. Yeah. I don't know what it is about shed hunting, but I just love going and looking for the antlers once they start to drop. And that's fanatic status. I know. Right. I love, (laughs) I love, I mean, when I was younger and I didn't have kids, I remember going out multiple days in a row um, from sunup till sundown and just walking and walking and walking. And I, and, and that was like, you know, over 10 years ago when you, (laughs) I hate to say it, but you didn't have to worry about, you know, you know, I remember walking and I ran into a farmer. I never asked him for permission to be on his property, which I don't recommend, but he saw me. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm looking for shed antlers. Okay. Well, Hey, go check over there today. You can't get away with any of that, right? So, um, you know, things things have changed a little bit, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But uh, still, all the same, man, I absolutely love shed hunting. And um, I think it's just because the the winter, right, it just piles up on you. And then that it starts to break. 
the warmer weather comes up, the snow starts to melt, and it gives you a reason to get outside. Exactly. I'm a 365-day-a-year hunter, and I love the habitat and all that, and this is the time of year where it's too early for any, like, plantings or food plots. So, you know, you can do some stand maintenance, you can do some scouting, but this is the... For a year-round deer hunter, the the shed hunting is the natural transition from the the lull you have on the last day of hunting season because you know you got to wait months and months again to get back in a stand to the next step, which you know is some food plots and that. So it's a it's a nice transition, Absolutely. and it's a good reason to get out and you can do it with family members. You can make noise. There's no pressure. It's it's really an enjoyable way to get out and continue the season. Yeah. How long have you been shed hunting or, I mean, is this something that you've always kind of done or is it something that you've picked up in recent years or I don't know? Well, I'll say this. I've always shed hunted, but I've never found sheds until we started. When I say we, you know, my son and I, um, hunting companions until we started getting on some properties that just had more nicer deer and more bucks. Um, when I was a kid, I used to shed hunt. I never found a shed. Yeah. You know, I would go, I would go all season and never find a shed or if I would, it'd be like a half of a three pointer or something. Right. Um, and it, and it was more luck than anything. Not that it's not luck now, but the chances of finding a shed when I was in my teens was slim to none. But now with quality deer management being more prevalent and the fact that I own a couple of farms and stuff, I and stuff, it's, the anticipation is higher and shed hunting is more enjoyable because the reality of finding some is just a lot greater. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what have you, what have you changed over the years? Uh, as far as, I guess if there was a strategy to shed hunting, what would you say that strategy is? Well, for me, it's the easiest sheds I find are on food sources. Um, probably starting around this time of year. I don't, I don't necessarily do a lot of shed hunting earlier than this. Um, actually I probably wait till March usually. Yeah. Just because I've, I run, I used to run cameras all year round and now I just don't do that cause I've lost some cameras in winter time. Uh, but it's every year I'm getting pictures of bucks yeah. with full racks in March and some even into April. And I know that sounds like I'm pulling, pulling people's legs, but I'm getting, a lot of bucks with racks in April. So I don't want to waste a lot of time shed hunting when, you know, half the bucks might still have their antlers on. But if you can get up a good, uh, a lot of good food source, beans or corn, or even some brassicas or anywhere the deer are kind of congregating in the winter time. So it doesn't even have to be standing crops, but if the deer kind of congregated because there was some snow or something like that, and you can find a food source, just start walking those main trails from the food source back to bedding. Yep. And then just repeat, you know, Yep. food to bed and then bed to food and food to bed and just walk those main trails. Yep. And in years where you don't get a lot of snow, they are really hard to find because they're really spread out. And they, you know, just as much as anybody that uh, a shed antler in the spring with all the dead vegetation and everything is, is harder than what it sounds like to pick out. Right. And I, I was kind of happy that we had that big snow come through because what that does is it flattens all the grass. So if you are walking like a field edge or you're walking a buffer strip or an erosion strip or even in the timber, 
that everything's pressed down flat. So it's easier to find a shed antler after there's a, a heavy snow and then it melts away. So um, it may have came too early, but, you know, regardless, I think there's still sheds out there to find. Yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting you point that out because I, I guess I never thought of that. But that would definitely be true because otherwise in that tall grass, like if you're hunting reeds canary, if there's like some lowland reeds canary grass around yep. or something, yep. if the wind can't knock that down or even some of the some of the lighter, I don't know what you call them, I would call it lighter strains of the CRP grasses, yeah. uh, they're going to be standing unless you get some some wet, heavy snow. So that's a good point. I never even thought of that. Yeah. But that's definitely, that's, I see how that definitely would be true. Yeah. I remember last, it was last March, somewhere around March 10th, me and my wife went out and uh, we were with a group of people and we were doing some shed hunting, but my, my walking partner that day was my wife. And uh, so we were walking these, these buffer strips um, that kind of fingered up into a uh, cornfield and they stuck out like a sore thumb. And it was one of those things where you could put someone who had never found a shed antler in their entire life. You know, there's some people out there who say they're, you know, I'm a self-admitted poor shed hunter. I can't, I can't ever find them, man. If you miss these, you should just quit because you'll never find them. I mean, they pop, they were sticking right out. That's, that's probably me. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, I'm not kidding you. Cause I'm, I'm like the dog, the dog that sees the squirrel. Yeah. So when I'm, so when I'm shed hunting, I go out with, uh, you know, I'll go out with my son or my buddies and we'll, we'll be like, okay, we're going to, let's take this draw. Let's take this draw and we're going to split up and we're going to, it's like a deer drive. You know, we're going to, we're going to take this draw down in 30 seconds into it. I'm looking at a rub and a scrape and where does this trail crotch yes. across the ditch? And yes. I'm, I'm like the bird with the squirrel because as soon as I start seeing buck sign and stuff, I'm not looking for sheds anymore. I forget that I'm out looking for sheds. Right. Right. So, That's one thing that I actually had to do. Uh, I train myself to keep focus down because as I start walking through a piece of property, my mind instantly starts thinking about where should I hang a tree stand, right? Oh, there's a buck rub. I'm in a pinch point. You know, oh, there's a south wind. Okay, here's a north wind tree or a west wind tree or a southwest wind. You know, like my mind starts going to strategy. And then, you know, over the years, I would start, you know, having to tell myself, okay, this is not necessarily a, yes, it can be a scouting mission. You can do both, but your focus is on sheds. So keep your head down. And uh, I feel you can do both, but I had to train myself to uh, continue to keep looking down on the, on the floor. So. Yeah. I'm not there yet. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I'm not there yet. Anybody that ever has ever shot hunted with me knows that you can walk right behind where I've gone and there's still a chance you can find a shed just because that's, I'm, I'm scouting when I'm shed hunting. I just can't help it. And I, I guess I haven't even tried to train myself because I love scouting so much and my properties, I don't scout them, you know, and in the summer or in the fall or during hunting season, there's parts of my properties I just don't walk and I just don't want to be bumbling around and stuff and leaving my right. scent behind. I just, I stay out of them. So this is the one time of year I use the excuse for let's go shedding hunt, let's go shed hunting in there. But once I'm in there, I just, I'm, I'm too preoccupied with other things. I'll, I'll still find an occasional shed or two, but I'm definitely not the best at it. Right. So let me ask you this. Uh, are you still running trail cameras on your properties that you that you own? 
I have one camera out and it's only because it was on a food source where my daughter Lily had that uh, late muzzleloader hunt. Gotcha. And I just haven't pulled it yet. But okay. normally, normally the answer would be no, they're gone. And it's only because I've lost cameras. I just, I've l- lost them to water. I don't know if it's the freezing and the thawing and the freezing and the thawing and then snow getting on them. And I just, I don't want to be having to buy new cameras. Yeah. Because I, because I actually think there's some decent information you can get January, February. Um, if nothing else, just having the camera scout for what bucks made it through and stuff. But I just, I lost too many cameras. So normally they're pulled by now. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this, um, based off of previous years, intelligence, when do you feel that, uh, deer, I, I would say the majority of deer start losing their antlers? I would say the majority of the deer start losing right around now. So like right on our phone call here, the yeah. majority of the deer early February, but well, I'll tell you what, there's still a lot that are holding on until the end of February and then are dropping in March. Yeah. And I've seen them drop early in around Christmas time, Christmas time. But that's, to me, that's a rare, that's a rarity. Cause I, you know, guys are always concerned. You always hear guys shooting bucks during that late muzzle odor and, you know, they grab the antler and it falls off. And, and, and I know what happens, but I think those are the stories that are, everybody hears about the story, but I think those are rare. Yeah instances i just i don't i've never experienced that but yeah i that's why i kind of hold off until march because it's like well if 80 90 percent of them are shed by early march and the weather's starting to get nice and it's not greening up and it's still cool enough where you can walk all day that's that's the time really to get out there and be the most efficient at it i don't know what your opinions are yeah i tell you what last year i had a killer day where i went out and i found nine sheds and that's high for me, nine sheds in about in in about two hours. Right. And that's for me, that's pretty good. I think uh, I averaged out all the shed antlers because a, a while ago I had I kept all my shed antlers. I'd say two or three up till two or three years ago. I kept every single shed antler I found from, you know, the biggest ones all the way down to the spikes that I would find find and the smaller ones would go into like uh I guess you would say like this big garbage bin that I had and it was just full of sheds. And then over time, you know, if people needed something for crafts or something, or my wife decided to use something, I'd give them away. But I did, I did the math and I, it was a rough estimate, you know, but I did the math and I think for every shed antler that I found, I did roughly nine hours of walking looking for, for that. So that's a lot of walking just to find a certain amount of, uh, you know, to find these bones. A lot of time was invested in that. Wow. Yeah. Right. So that's, crazy. I never, I never would have guessed that. Yeah. So nine hours per shed antler, you know, like the last weekend in February last year is when I found all those nine, right. In two hours. Right. But over the years, there would be days where I would walk an entire day and not, not find a shed antler like 12 hours, if not, you know, 10 to 12 hours, I'd walk up from sun up to sundown looking for shed antlers and not find one. Right. So you take all those days, average them out with the days where I find nine or five or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's up there. 
So if three of your friends went out or you and your bride and two of your friends and you went for an entire day based on that mass, you're going to find four sheds. Yeah. And that, and that would be an average day. Some, something like that. Yeah. Something like, something like that. Um, no, it was one shed for every nine hours of walking. Yeah. So, so if it's four guys for an entire day, that's oh, four, yeah. Yeah. Okay. you know, but that, that'd be like four sheds. That's, that's, and I would have thought it would have been, I would have thought it would have been higher than that. Yeah. So, and it, like you said, it's so much dependent on the food, right? So this place that I went last year, the last weekend in February, where I found all those, the crop rotation was in corn. And as we all know, deer love corn, uh, especially when the temps get cold and there's snow on the ground. And if there's a, a really crappy combine that's uh, combining the field and they, they, they just, <laughs> yeah. they flock to that. Right. Um, this year it's going to be a little different. It's in the, the field is in beans and that doesn't produce as many sheds. I, I feel like they go somewhere else for their food, uh, to, you know, a specific cornfield or whatnot. And, uh, I've, uh, I might have to knock on door to get permission to go, uh, walk that. But in the past, if, if the co- if the field is in beans that fall then shed hunting won't be near as good i leased i leased a pretty nice sized farm in wisconsin about and i'm just guessing here 10 years ago maybe maybe it's been 15 now i don't know and for for whatever reason it's exactly what you're talking about there was a bluff top field of corn and the farmer never got it off and there was a lot of snow that year and the farmer that we leased from it wasn't his corn but he would walk, he would walk up that bluff and around that cornfield every day that just for, just for exercise. But then he was doing it for shed hunting and he found something like 30 sheds that winter. Wow. It was just insane. The number. Yeah. And he was finding two or three a day and then he wouldn't find anything for two or three days. And then he would right. find a couple more and it was just, it was insane. And he wasn't even, that's all he was doing was walking the edge of the cornfield. Right. He wasn't even going in the woods or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely something to say if, if you could get some snow or cold, and then that food source, if they're all congregated around that food source, well, that's where the sheds are going to be. And that's, that's how I look for them every year. I look around our food sources first, and then I use the excuse that I'm shed on to check out all the bedding areas and stuff. But the majority of the sheds that we always find are, are around food sources. That Would you would you agree with that? Or do you ever oh, keep yeah. track of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, most of them are, like I said, that last day in – uh, February or the last uh, weekend in February last year when I found all those nine and they didn't look too sun bleached. So I would say they all nine of them dropped within a, I would say a 10 day period where, okay. where they dropped. And, but also you go, we went on the 10th of March when I was with my wife and, and another group of, uh, of uh, people and we found in that there was one buffer strip or no one, two, three, four buffer strips that we walked that had like 10 sheds in them. So, and they looked somewhat fresh as well. So I, you know, I wish I could say, sit here and say, well, Hey, this, this populate, you know, this, this deer herd's going to drop the sheds the last week of February or the first, you know, the first week in March when hell, just like you said, man, I've seen deer, deer, turkey hunting with hardhorn antlers and that's what yeah. 12 to 15 days into april yeah uh, yep yeah, I've, I've seen them on my cameras in april so 
you know, if, if you have limited time and, or maybe you even have to take time off or something like that, I would say later is better, you know, yeah. because you just don't want to be spending time in January looking for sheds when 75% of the deer still got antlers. Yeah. So, yeah. but you know, I'm going to be, I'm probably going to be doing a little more shed hunting this year cause I'll have more time. And it'll give me an excuse to get out and get some exercise, which we all need exercise. And it's just, boy, for me, for me, shed hunting was always an excuse to get out and do scouting. So now maybe I can get some scouting in and then actually find some sheds because I can, I can get my scouting in and then, and then uh, concentrate a little bit more on finding sheds. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you what, if I had, if I was going to take a day off of work to go shed hunting, I would still probably go towards the end of that first week in March uh, because if you try to plan in advance and say, well, I'm going to go late February. I mean, we know how this Iowa weather is, right? It could, it could snow eight inches or it could be warm. So I, I really like that average temperature to get up so that all of the, uh, all of the, uh, the snow is melted and, and I don't know, it just, they stick out better at that point in time. And at the same time, I want to get to, I want to be able to walk in the timber before and check for sheds before the squirrels or the varmints start chewing them up. So I would probably go with somewhere in that first week in March, but also like, I think I'm going to go shed hunting this weekend, to be honest with you. So you've seen, you've seen, where the squirrels and stuff will chew them up actually pretty good. So I haven't really seen that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I got, um, I have a shed that I think went to a buck that I missed two years ago. I found a shed last year and he's got about an inch or two of his, um, uh, his G, his G2 chewed down. And I, dude, I find, I find sheds all the time that are chewed up and have, uh, you know, squirrel or possum marks uh, on them or, um, God, I think certain birds chew on them too. Mice will chew on them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've seen them chewed up, but I've, I guess that's that to me, that's a rarity. I don't, you know, it's, it happens, but I don't, I don't ever, I don't necessarily know that, that I'd be concerned about it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's more, I would say those finds are more in the timber. Okay. Where, where all those more of those varmints live, like uh, okay, where I guess in the buffer strips, right? You may have some mice live in the grass, but squirrels aren't out there, you know, jumping around. Maybe an opossum will walk through, but there's just less animals that would chew on an antler like that. Uh, sometimes uh, a coyote might pick it up and you know just kind of lick the the wax ring around the bottom of the antler off, but you know I've never. Uh, I tend to find whole sheds that don't have as much chew marks on them around the field edges or in the fields. So what I'm, what I'm hearing from you then is the key to finding sheds is to have a good pair of shoes. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's based on your earlier calculations of what I hear you saying. And be and I was, patient. I was, well, I was thinking that maybe I'm just, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And, <laughs> but, Based on your calculations of eight hours per shed or, or nine hours per shed, hell, I ain't doing too bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Now, a lot of guys say that 
deer start to lose their antlers when there's a huge change uh, or there is a, their stress level uh, changes, right? So um, I talked with a, a deer farmer and he says that what he does is he'll feed them all winter long and when he wants their antlers to fall off, sometime in uh, February or March, depending on the weather, he says, he'll cut off feed for a couple days and it will stress the animals out and all their antlers will fall off. So, really? yeah, so, so, uh, that's, I take that right. And I say, okay, well we had a huge snowstorm in, uh, late January, extremely cold temperatures. The deer were probably stressed. So that tells me if, you know, if that theory holds true, then, there could be a good number of deer that have already shed based off that theory. If that, if the stressor theory is, yeah, if there's, if you can put money on that, yep. then definitely they just went through a stress, a stressful period last week yep. for sure. Absolutely. Now check this out. I'm on social media a lot, right? And I start to hear rumors about guys, you know, guys are saying, man, my trail cameras are showing that a lot of the deer have dropped already. And I haven't been able to go and check my, my trail cameras out, which is one of the reasons why I asked you it, um, the question, whether or not you were seeing what you were seeing. Uh, Have you heard any rumblings about in the area that, that, uh, your farms are, whether or not deer are shed already? No, no, I haven't. I have, I have not heard. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, but I, we're going to, I was actually going to talk to Amy after this phone call and just see if she wanted to drive around tonight and just glass mm-hmm. and then, you know, not even using trail cameras, just glass and see if we can spot bucks of any age class and see if they're still holding antlers. Yeah. Cause I really haven't been doing any much of that lately. Right. It's been cold and we had the snow and stuff. So I have, I've been working on our house and just doing other things that have to get done. So I haven't really been doing a lot in the deer, in the deer world lately. So, yeah. but that's interesting. That whole stressor thing yeah. with the cold and snow. Yeah. Let me ask you this. How much weight do you hold? Let's say you have this three-year-old, right? And you catch him on trail camera sometime throughout the summer, sometime throughout the fall. And maybe you find one of his shed antlers in one of your food plots, or you find him on a different farm or your neighbor finds his shed antler. How much weight? do you, would you give the location of a shed in relationship to where you might be hunting uh, a buck in the fall? Boy, this, this might sound bad and then maybe it's not the right answer, but if you're asking my opinion, I I give it zero weight. I just, I give it zero weight. Yeah. Cause where, where, where they are when they drop their antlers in February or March is just completely entirely dependent on what kind of food source they have available Yeah, that time of year, you know, where, where they had to go to get their food source. Yeah. And if you've, if you've already been watching that deer, like you said, you've been seeing it, you already know that you have, it's in that deer's in its, it's home ranges in the area where you're running your cameras and you're seeing it. So the only, the only thing it would tell me is if you found that shed antler a mile away, and it was a goofy, you know, maybe at a, a Fort G2 or something where you know it's that buck you've been watching, and it's completely outside of its realm, that might give you some kind of idea that, okay, 
its home range extends, you know, out toward the east another mile or something that it, it gives you a little bit of information you didn't know. So that might help you out. Yeah. But if if you're finding a shed somewhere where you would normally hunt, I I that's my opinion. Yeah. And maybe there's a be, maybe there's a better answer or somebody has a has a better way of looking or viewing that shed. Because I've I've found many sheds or the people I've been with have found sheds. And then we've gone on to kill those deer, and I I yeah. can't say that we've ever used that information explicitly in yeah. helping us to you know to hunt it that following year, other than knowing it's still alive. Right, right. And I'll, I'll tell you what I used to think that right because I've never killed a deer until this year. I've never killed a buck that I found the sheds to previous years. Now this year, I found a shed antler. Uh, I found the biggest antler I found last year went to the buck that I killed this past season, right? So February 28th or 25th, I found a shed antler of a buck I killed this past November. And it was only, I want to say 150 to 200 yards away from where I shot my buck. So I think that has something to do with their home range, right? Their their home, I, I think they have a core area and then they have a kind of an extended range and uh, maybe it's just complete circumstance that uh, it was there at that time. But like I said, last year, there was a, uh, a, a positive, what I would call a beneficial crop rotation. And this year there, there wasn't, this upcoming year there wasn't. So I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what the shed hunting is going to be like this year. And if I can say deer like beans more, like I'm going to find more antlers around bean fields or less antlers around bean fields, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. So I have some questions for you then. So you found that antler. Yeah. And when you found it, where you found it, were you surprised? No. I mean, were, were you, were you, were you, holy cow, I found this shed and I had no idea this deer ever would have been here. Nope. Uh, I, I found it and I said, I know exactly who this, this buck is. I had pictures of him all fall in, ar- around this field. And, but the previous year on, let's say on a different, that buck, that buck showed up in the summertime and then he was gone. He didn't show, he wasn't anywhere else. Uh, and now I don't remember if he was there the, the year before, because he probably just would have been a, a real small eight pointer that all, you know, how many, how many small eight, point, like hundred, 115 inch eight pointers do you, do we have running around? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it's hard to define the characteristics, but now he popped this ninth point on his left side so, and he had a notch. I don't remember if he had a notch in his ear or not, but anyway, he was a, an easily identifiable buck who was in the area the entire around that field the entire year and and so when i found the antler i knew exactly who it was because i had a trail camera taking pictures of him all fall probably 50 yards away from where i found the shed antler so i don't know so so my next follow-up question is if you knew the deer was there was there you have camera pictures of him how did finding the shed help you kill the deer you know, that's a that's a question that I think about a lot because this year 
I had three trail cameras stolen. Uh, yeah, all along this one little area, uh, and I didn't have any intel in this, you know, like what deer were coming through. The The cameras got stole, uh, stolen in October, and uh, uh, yeah, early October, and I wanted to put some more trail cameras up when I started my rut vacation, but I didn't want them to get stolen, so I didn't, right? So I hunted a couple other parts of the farm. And nothing was, you know, nothing that was of interest was on this farm. You know, there was a, a small four-year-old and, uh, I really wasn't interested in going after him, but I then thought to myself, okay, well, you're not paying attention to this other side of the farm where your trail cameras were stolen. Now, just because my trail cameras were stolen doesn't mean that there wasn't any deer in that area right and i said mm-hmm. well you found that shedding antler only 200 yards away from uh this really good pinch point this really good uh, terrain feature right so i said hell why not i go in there one night uh like oh i think i sat there i, I sat there one night nothing happened i went back there after this front move through and it was the first and only buck that showed up and i shot him right so it so I thought about that shed antler only being X amount of yards away, and it made me, it was the tipping point for me to go in and set up a tree stand in this area. Yeah, I can see that. The the biggest thing for me when you find a shed, especially if you find a shed of like a three or four or five-year-old that you want to hunt or something, it's the motivation. Yeah. For whatever rate, for whatever reason, human beings are infatuated with antlers and yeah. hunters are infatuated and me too. I, you know what I mean? So right. you, when you find a shed, you know, let's say you find a 150 inch buck, you know, half shed or full, full shed or whatever. It's the motivation. You know, okay. Now I got the sheds. I have to kill that deer, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I, I completely, I completely get it. it for, and for me, it was that tipping point, right? It was, if I didn't find that shed, who knows if I would have went to that, that spot. Right. So, so that one extra piece of information that right, right. triggered something in your head to think that you should try it. Right. Absolutely. And so now I'm getting this information about this, this travel corridor. There's no fence line. It's just like between point A and point B, there has, has historically been really good deer movement. I catch them on trail cameras. I find sheds here, which allows me to start thinking, maybe I need to focus more tree stand time here or come up with creative ideas to hunt this area a little bit more. Uh, And I don't know. I think this upcoming year with, see, this year is what I would call a bean year. This next year will be a corn year for this particular area. And I think that I'm going to be setting up in this area now until the, I guess the crops come out to see if these deer are using it the way I think they're using it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's, that's the sport of hunting. That's right. That's why we all love it. That's That's why if it was easy, if it was easy, I don't think we, I don't think we'd be doing it anymore. Right. And it's almost, I I really don't. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. And for me, it's almost like that shed antler was a piece of the puzzle to solving like this mystery, right? And yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm a detective at heart and I just don't know it, but I love, I love putting the pieces of the puzzle together, whether it's finding 
you know, finding a scrape or a rub or a shed antler or, you know, seeing a buck on trail camera or seeing a buck from my stands and putting it all together to try to, you know, catch this buck or, you know, to get within shooting range of them. And more times than not, I think we fail and uh, we got to start from scratch. But then there's those moments like for me this year, it all came together and I ended up shooting my biggest buck, right? And it not my oldest buck, but my biggest scoring buck. And, um, I don't know, man, it, 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 it's, I don't know, like, like the articles that you write, right? 365 whitetail 365. And, uh, I think it's, uh, man, I I just love it. Like, like I said before, for me, it's, for me, it's every day of the year. And obviously we take breaks. We have to go back to work. We have family stuff. We have to get together, (laughs) but the, sh- the shed hunting is one way to transition from, which is almost kind of a downer for many hunters, is the last day of the season. Right. Or or when your tag is filled, you know, when you can't hunt anymore and you have five months, six months, eight months, nine months, whatever it is before you can do something. You know, if you can't put in food plots and any of that kind of stuff, well, then you don't get to enjoy that part of the hunt. That's why I enjoy all the habitat and the food plots and stuff. So the shed hunting is just one more reason, one more excuse to get out there and and enjoy the outdoors and have it be part of your hunt. And don't kid yourself, if you find a shed, you, you had to have looked back on that hunt and the fact that you probably got that deer mounted or whatever you did with it, and yeah. now you have that shed. And 20 years from now, you can tell family members or whatever the whole story, and it just, it's awesome. That's yeah. why we do it. So check this out, right? I have the skull cap with the antlers in my office here. I have that shed from last year, uh, from the previous year, in my office. So I start looking. I, actually, I was recording a podcast, and I can see my shed antler collection. I, I ha- actually have a, uh, a sh- two strings of bob wire that I drilled into my wall, and I hang okay. my sh- I hang my sheds on that, just kind of <laughs> for for yeah. some decoration. And I'm recording a podcast with another guy and I'm looking at my sheds and I see this characteristic kind of stick out and I, I finish the podcast and after I'm done, I go pull this shed off of the, uh, off of the wall and I know where I found it because I can tell you where I found every one of my sheds and I found it in the same cornfield. Right. And I'm like, no way. So I lay it down on the floor next to the shed that I found this past year. And then I, I'm looking through all the antlers that I found off this one specific cornfield or this one specific egg field. And I find another one. So I've been looking at these shed antlers. They all have the same characteristics. They're all from the same cornfield. And I think I have three years of shed antlers and... Yeah, I think, so uh, five, four, three, two. So two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, and I killed him as a five-year-old. So three years of sheds, and I killed the buck all from the same buck. Isn't that something? Yeah. Right? But you didn't, even know it until, you didn't even know it until this year, until you killed it and started going back and looking. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's something. Yeah, and that's just the story, right? And that's what I love about it is being able to connect the pieces and tell, tell the story. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, shed hunting is, uh, is coming up and we're going to, I'm going to get hot and heavy with that, but March, 
also brings time when a lot of people are, are starting to think about habitat work and starting to think about food plots and uh, what they're going to do. And I say that we need to get you back on the podcast sometime in March and we'll start talking about that stuff. What do you think? I would love to. That's my passion. My passion is uh, habitat for white-tailed deer. And I'm not, I'll be the first to admit that maybe I'm not the the uh, professional at it or the, the best guy at it, but I sure do try. And that's definitely where my passion is. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to that podcast. That'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Well, until then, why don't you uh, put some miles on those boots and try to uh, find some shed antlers and we'll talk to you in March. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Another Iowa sportsman podcast in the books. Thank you to Mr. Tom Pepelinski for taking time out of his day to come on and chat with us about whitetails and his passion for whitetails. Um, if you want to read a lot of awesome articles that he puts out, and specifically the Whitetail 365 articles that he writes for the Iowa Sportsman magazine, go visit iowasportsman.com and subscribe to the magazine. It's pretty simple. I think he also does some uh, articles online as well, but iowasportsman.com and there you can sign up get your subscription to the magazine the iowa sportsman magazine a lot of great content there as well i think that's it hopefully everybody enjoyed this podcast if you do enjoy this podcast please subscribe on itunes or wherever you download your podcast and check us out on social media Facebook is where a majority of the Iowa Sportsman content comes through as far as social media is concerned, Uh, but I know they're in the process of starting an Instagram page as well, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, So until next time, why don't you guys start putting the miles on the boots and start looking for sheds. We'll see you next week.